The Big Time is produced by the talented team at Made. This episode is proudly brought to you in partnership with Superga South Africa. My name is Claudine Ullman, actress, improviser, and all-round hustler, and you're listening to The Big Time Podcast, my chance to speak to industry greats, movers, shakers, and game changers, people who are making waves and setting new standards. Who are they? What inspires them? And what do they have to do to hit the big time? Joining me today at my beautiful studio, which is my home. It's a, it's a beautiful studio. Thank you so much. You just gave your intro away. Oh, is sorry, am- sorry, No, that's the best. I pretend I haven't said anything yet. That's what you should do. Okay. But it's entertainment mogul, entrepreneur, award-winning comedian. Oh, oh, there go my nipples. The amazing, the awesome John Flismas. John. Hi, that's a huge intro. Thanks. Thanks. I mean, I could have built it up more. More? I could have. No, no, no. You know. Or was that? Or was that? I I don't know if I'm all of those things. I mean, we're in. Where are we? We're in Saxonwald here. There are other moguls nearby. That's true. Yeah. Bigger bigger moguls. Bigger moguls. They've got the oil. Dodgy moguls. Coal, president, all those things. Yeah, yeah. So just saying you could be bigger. Try harder. Okay. Try harder. Just honesty. This is my next plan. Good, good. Corruption. Corruption. Yeah, yeah, just take it. So, John, you are studying. Um, (laughs) Hopefully not to be corrupt. Hopefully not to be corrupt. Well, in a way, I suppose I am. It is business studies. So, um, I suppose, uh, yes, I'm being prepared for the world of corruption. Because as much as we like to think that the Guptas are the only corrupt people on earth, white people in China have been doing this shit forever. Yes, that's very... On a massive scale. And they don't get caught. Yes, and there are Jews committing fraud and there are Muslims committing fraud. It's not just Hindu people from India. Yes. Uh, There are black people who do fraud as well. We may even vote one out later today. I hope so. so. Today may be a wonderful day of celebration. Uh, um, cynicism has taught me that it probably won't. Okay. But 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 I I I'm, let's you know let's be let's dream a while. It's not two o'clock yet. Let's dream a while. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the next four hours. Maybe amazing. And then I think like two hours of bullshit speeches and crap, and then we might get to a point where... We're celebrating. You know, and who would have thought we may, we would celebrate that Beleka Mbete would be the new president of this country. Yes. I mean, that's when you really are scraping the barrel, when that's a reason to be happy. Yeah, yeah, Even exactly. the Rand has got like Stockholm Syndrome on the thought <laughs> that maybe... Jacob Zuma possibly may. It just gets all excited. Yes, yes. Um, well, I'm I'm feeling that excitement, and I'm also so excited that I am talking to you. Oh, thanks. And hearing your story because this is why I do this, so that not only I can be inspired right. by where you are, oh. but we all can. Yeah. And the angels sang, and, and the, the angels, angels sang. Um. So what I want to know is how did you start out in comedy? What was your journey? Um, I think it's how pretty did you basic, get here? Uh, standard, uh, being an outsider, uh, not conforming. Um, you know, a fairly standard crisis in an early stage of life where you fail to um, find your competency because the values of uh, the people around you in a standardised education system uh, fail to give you a way to quantify what it is you're good at. Yeah. So therefore you feel you're competent at nothing and then in that self-doubt you cascade into the second crisis in that little 
fuck up, which is to then choose isolation over intimacy. And here I sit before you, a performer who, just chatting about this before the break, doesn't like performing with others. Yes. So I'm still in that thing of isolation. Yeah. Uh, so fairly standard. I mean, it's, it's nothing special. It's not like, um, a lot of people have that. Uh, I imagine dentists can end up going through the same problem and that's why they become isolated people who wear masks and pick around in other people's mouths all day. Pretty much the same thing. I mean, I totally hear you. So I don't know if you've been watching everybody's, and when I say everybody, the people who went to Just for Laughs Festival this year, if you've seen their Instagram or anything, they Um, went to go and watch Judd Apatow. Ah. And Judd Apatow was doing, uh, talking about comedy, and he was saying that although stand-up is a thing you do alone, you do need the support of other people and it is actually a team game. How do you feel about that? Um, does he mean the audience or does he mean... I, I think he means fellow stand-up. Comedians. I yeah. mean, I, I would probably, uh, I would be open to that idea. Uh, I don't think comedians are necessarily automatically supportive. I think that deep down, if they're honest, they don't want other comics to succeed. Mm. I, I'm just I'm just not going to do the sort of PR crap of saying, oh, we're all a big family. Like, that's true to a point. Mm. But um, no, I, I, don't, I don't see it like that. And I think some of the greatest comics of all time have not hung out with other comics. The, you know, there's no rule book. So... Mm. To blanketly say, well, stand-up is like this, I don't get that. Like, I I think it's all different. Mm. And I don't think that stand-up is based on a get-along gang idea. We've spoken earlier about improv teams or, you know, actors who work together. That's a different kind of fan. Like, I have a slight theatre background. There is a theatre community. There is a stand-up comedy community, but ultimately, like, if you're absolutely, like, honest enough to talk about when you are in yourself... Mm. I don't buy that. You yeah. know, I read this great article about polar bears. A kid asked a scientist, like, when you see a polar bear all on its own in the middle of nowhere, is it lonely? And what the guy explained was that, well, no, it's, 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 it's relaxed because it doesn't, there's no threat. Yeah. It is not, its environment is not under threat from another polar bear. So, so, you know, I don't think that people who've really achieved a lot in comedy have been entirely community-based at all. Yeah, yeah. You can pretend they are. Psychopaths walk amongst us all the time. Yes. But that doesn't make them great serial killers. What makes them great serial killers is their ability to kill people on a serial basis. On, on their, their own. own. Yes. No. And tell me, how, how then do you deal with things like competition? I, I don't, how do you mean? So if it is a game which you are playing on your own, mm-hmm. how do you deal with other people, you know, getting ahead of you or succeeding? Um, I think you've got choices and, and um, you know, that's why I'm able to say that to you because I don't look for approval anymore. I used to a lot. I have other options to, available to me. Um, I also have developed a kind of my own kind of the comedy that I'm comfortable with and Mm. um, the people who want to watch that can come and watch that. And those who don't, don't have to. Um, I also know that I'm not going to be a world dominating media figure in my life. And and that's also fine. I'm I'm cool with that. Um, I do other stuff. So I have other ways to earn money. And the other option you have is to just beat the competition, but no one's ever collaborated their way to individual success. Like, Mm. Like, I mean, yeah, maybe in politics or, you know, but 
I don't see it as a kumbaya. It's a cutthroat business. And I'm very glad about that because you need a bit of a thick skin, as you know. Yes, totally. It's a tough room. Your friends aren't there to help you, like through that feeling. When you go home on your own and you've sucked at a gig, no one cries you to sleep. Like, it doesn't work like that. You Mm. go to sleep alone. So, and you wake up. Or if you kill and you do really well, you don't like phone your friends and go, I just want to tell you how good this feels for like two hours Mm. before I go to sleep. Yeah. You go and enjoy that feeling. So, You know, I think there's a veneer, there's levels and, and I'm just a bit older and, and like I just don't care about, I just like telling the truth. Yeah, totally. So that, that's and I, I mean, that is what I appreciate. And I think locals who are fans of yours appreciate, you know, the fact that you are totally honest, you say what you need to say um, and kind of, as I was saying earlier, don't really, don't come to comedy if you're going to be too sensitive about well, stuff. you know, I mean, and there's comedy that is kind of clever and non-offensive and that's brilliant. And, I, mm. and I'm like, that's, I can see the artistry. I just, when I was in Australia recently, I hung out with a, a comic called um, Alice Fraser, who is phenomenally academic and, and just so clever and conscious in her comedy and I genuinely enjoyed her show because the sheer cleverness and funniness of it combined was just, it's, it's like, you, you can't help it. It's just brilliant. Mm. And it was challenging for me. My comedy's a bit more of a sledgehammer. And, and, you know, and the thing is, like, I've also seen a lot of the comedy industry from backstage. It's not all pleasant and get along. No there are way, deeply, yeah. unself, deeply selfish human beings mm. who are very needy. And I also get that. Like, you have to be that kind of stuff to be mm. a comic. I mean, that's also why I guess I started, I mean, I don't know, you'll tell me about Whacked, but why I started Jittery is because I was like, I want to perform. I don't want people to tell me how long I've got or what lineup I can be on. I've got to make those lineups and I've got to actually, you know, make the work for myself because nobody else is going to foster my career, you know? I mean, you know, there are, there are opportunities provided. I mean, like mm. open spots and, yes. you know, but then people start attacking the venue owner and, oh, you don't pay enough or like you control. Well, yes, it's their bar and it's their thing. Mm. So I agree with you. Uh, I've always thought that it's better to try and build your own ship mm. and steer that than, you know, let someone else, you know, drive the boat. So I agree. I, I think it's a very good idea. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So John, tell me, how did WACT come about? And what was, what was the need for you? So WACT was basically born when I was managed by someone who I was always working and never had any money. And it wasn't because I was spending it. I just didn't have any money. And my diary was full. So I decided just to try and pay a bit of attention to that anomaly. And then I found that if I fired the manager, uh, I would have money for my work, which was Amazing. a new proposal. Yeah. Um, so that was good. And so that was it was. It was just a little fax machine and a computer in a spare bedroom in the house. And uh, yeah, just I had some help uh, um, invoicing and contracting and stuff. And then collecting slips, putting them in the thing, in an envelope, giving to the accountant, blah, 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 blah. And then other comedians said, well, uh, can you maybe not do that for me as well? Mm. So then we started taking bookings for myself and other people. And then that was whacked. And then it just grew and grew and grew. And, and um yeah, now it's quite a big agency. So. I mean, I, I look at you and I go, Wacht is already killing, you know, never mind big agency. You're probably the forerunner in terms of, you know, creating platforms for yeah. a lot of comedians in South Africa. You know, you've got Comics Choice Awards, things like that. Yeah. Why why go back and study? Um, 
because things change. So like, you know, I, um, I believe in phases. So I hate what I call um, the Doc Martin syndrome, which is like being 50 and wearing the same shoes and like, let's learn. Yes. Um, I think it's, it's boring and it's a waste. So we did the underground for a long time, like the best comedy club, I think, in the country. It was the most anarchic, dangerous that was before my time. Crazy place, yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm upset I missed out on that. I feel well, like it was it's an just error. Awesome, and and it was like a dirty hole in the ground where great comedy was born. We did a lot of stupid shit. We took a lot of drugs. We fucked around and and um, experimented, and we just, it was great. It was a real incubator, and um, just by chance, we had like waves of VIT students and and uh, I think it's at UJ students coming through every year and almost like educating a whole generation after generation of, of people for 10 years. The night that it closed or the day it closed, uh, they just went bankrupt at the bar and we just got told like, don't come in tonight. And then everyone said, oh, where are we going to move the venue? I'm like, we're not, that's the end. That's, we've done this now. We're going to yeah. do something else. We just got into production and we've done a lot of production and we've evolved the production business away from where everyone else is going now. We're doing something different. So that's done. And then I was like, well, I never really studied. I was a shit scholar. I mean, I got a brochure in drama from the Natal Tech. So I thought, well, this opportunity came up and I have a good friend who is a professor and he's always said I should go back and learn. And um, I think it's, it's kind of his fault that he kind of got me interested in learning again. Brainwashed you. Yeah. In the real sense, I think he cleaned my brain out a bit. Um, mm. um, yeah. So... I've decided to do that and, and I don't know where it's going to lead. Um, I'm interested to see, you know, we've got the comedy yeah. business and, and we've got the um, business speaker thing that's going on. Um, we've got the production company that's busy. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to try it out. I'm more interested in, in the learning process than the actual outcome. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I, I need to pass, but, but yeah. I am, um, and I'd like to pass well, but I have a feeling the second half of my life is going to be something different. And I'm quite interested. Like the, the good racist is a, is a kind of a, a bridge for me between the worlds of research and comedy. Mm. And, and it really, something really struck me when I met Alice Fraser. And in fact, we did a podcast in, in Perth, but um, we'll see. I mean, that's really inspiring. Is this? To, yes, totally. It might totally. just be really boring. No, boring it's not boring. podcast ever by a comedian. The three people watching are loving it. They're sending us hearts. I honestly do find it inspiring because what it shows me is you can be at the top of your game and still feel like I've still got, I still Um, have to grow. I've still got, you know. Although I don't know about top of the game, um, what game, first of all, and then second, because the game always changes. So there are are new comedians who are redefining what the top of the game means. I'm not in will never be in the same league as someone like a Trevor Noah or wherever the fuck Luis Ogola is going to end up because that guy is genuinely no, blows incredible. me away. I, I know. Mean, by far my favorite comic me uh, too. representing this country. Yeah. Only because stylistically I, I really get where, where he takes an audience. So top of my game, I don't know so much. I think I'm a brick in a wall and my brick is lower down and there are much better bricks further. It's like an iPad 2 watching a new iPad coming off the production line. Mm. So I'm just uh, now interested in the value uh, of, like, what's the value of your work? Mm. Where does it go? What's the point of it? If it's just to, like, sell tickets, I I don't know if that's what I want to leave behind. Henry Rollins said, imagine you work your whole life and all you had to show at the end of it was a big pile of money. What a terrible, awful place to be. 
Totally. Kind of get that. Although money is important, obviously. Yeah, yeah. No, we need we need nice things. But I mean, I'm coming from a place of looking at the opportunity that you've provided for us. You know, and going newcomer showcase was I'm very, very chuffed with the newcomer showcase. Life changing for me. Oh, that's life changing. Good. I'm glad to hear that. It really was. I performed to five hundred audience members who think you know, it went well. It may not have gone so well, mm. but to have that opportunity when I was just starting out to be like, I'm performing to a crowd full of people who are responding to me. This is going on television. This is this is what the industry is like. This is a taste of the industry. Yeah. And that really got me hooked. That was the moment. Well, you know, on fire in Durban, so other company we, we've we've just about to launch the kill or die special so mm. similar idea but all Durban comedians because we promised them when we came to Durban and launched the festival and the comedy weeks that like re- revamped with Savannah um that we would do something and and the comedy channel didn't want the newcomer show yes because they didn't feel that anybody would know who it was we're like oh fuck it we'll film it and then we'll give it to you and just give us the airtime and mm. they did but it's taken us a year to get it on on air so now that'll go on so there's like another a Durban one which is very cool and that's huge yeah. it's huge it's so great it's so great because as you say nobody looks at the little dude and says Trevor, you one day going to be Trevor or do you know what I mean? Or yeah. Claudine, you've got that potential to, no one really. Well, I mean, that, but that goes back to my thing about competition. If you, I, I acknowledge that comedians are competitive. I just don't care. Like, mm. I don't need, I'm not threatened by putting Claudine on TV. I'm all yeah. for it. Like I, the more, the better, because it creates that sense of panic amongst competitive people mm. and the best will rise to the top. Like, yeah. like that's all. It's just the shit people who hate competition. Yeah. People who know where they're going, it makes no difference to that, you know. Yeah, fuck, let, the, let you know. the work speak for itself. Yeah, and create, like, cause chaos, like, cause that competition. Like, mm. fucking pour polar bears on the thing and let the best ones kind of, you know, survive. So, I mean, I... I don't think you win in competition by evading competition mm-hmm. or like being devious about it. Shit comedians, and recently a very shit comedian, yes. made a very public statement on a massive platform yes. exactly on that topic. Mm. And because I know what I'm doing, I'm not going to say who it is, but you probably know. I know, I do know, yes. And I'm like, dude, just Come on. fucking grow up. I mean, it's like, yes, I'm the king of the hell. Oh, they took me off the hill. Shit. Yeah. Yes. Back yeah. to the sandpit, fuckface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the one thing I'll never do is I will never invest one ounce of energy. I won't listen. I won't put money in. If you're not funny, fuck you. Like, do not come to this industry. That's the one thing that I feel we have to be ruthless about. Yes, yes, yes. Be honest. Like, straight away, you're not funny. It's not for you. Yeah, do something else. Yeah. Simon Cowell, my hero. Yes. Stop doing this. It's not for you. Just don't do it. And you know what? It can be proved wrong. And that's amazing because somebody goes and, and like changes the game. Fucking great. But you don't cuddle people into changing a game. Yes. I mean, you've actually said that in comedy before, which is so funny. You know, when someone's died, you've been like, I'm not going to cuddle you, you know. Yeah. And, and it's true. We can't, you know. And I actually appreciate this about this industry because coming from an acting background, you can present the biggest load of shit and people are like, wow. Life-changing, life-changing theatre. No, it wasn't, 
but nobody's honest with you. Mm. I get off stage and people were like, that was amazing. Or that, what the hell were you thinking? Yeah. What were you thinking? And if you look at all the great acting schools in the world, the great acting teachers, what do they begin with? They break down the individual. Yeah, 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 totally. It's not a cuddling process. Yeah. It's incredibly hard. I mean, Strasbourg and Grotowski and all of the big acting like experts, they didn't want to cuddle fucking actors at all. I mean, I've done a lot of clowning as well, which is also getting to the core of being vulnerable on stage. Mm. And, you know, you speak to the clown like this. You go, that's not funny. I don't like that. And the actual reaction of the clown is what the audience finds humorous, Mm. you know. And in the same way as a stand-up comedian, the clown wins when there's laughter. Yeah. There's no laughter. The clown is yeah. doesn't exist. For me, a clown's like the purest expression. I, I, I don't mean a shit's head with a white face. I mean, yeah. like you're talking about a real clown. Yes. Spending time watching a great clown, there's, there's no better way to learn a lot. A I lot. mean, have you seen Life is Beautiful? Uh, yeah, absolutely. With, yes. Yeah. So Roberto Benigni totally embodies the clown when yeah. you see what he does for his child. So it's a, but it's exactly. beautiful. It's just yeah. such a beautiful expression of vulnerability. And yeah. I find that relates a lot to stand up and what I'm doing. You I know? went to watch Slover's snow show here. Um, oh, yes. How was it? I didn't watch it. I mean, there's some great clowns in South Africa. Sylvain Strike and you've mm, got um, mm. um, uh, James Cunningham and uh, previously um, Ellis Pearson. And there's a, 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 to some degree, Lion Newton. Um, yes. Um, You've got these phenomenal clowns and, and uh, Bevan Cullinan, actually a good clown. And, yes. and uh, Rob Van Furen, phenomenal Amazing. clown. Yeah. Uh, and they're more. They're, I know they're more and I haven't thought of them more and they're probably going to have a piss fit when they hear this, but um, yeah. there are lots of them. Um, and I was sitting there watching and um, we were with, a, I think it was a young niece or whatever, and she was just ca- captivated. And then this fat fuckhead, like from behind me and from four, is like, that's just bullshit, man. These fucking clowns they haven't said a word. I'm like, oh, Jesus, yeah. you don't get it. Just shut the fuck up. Just yeah, your don't you be there. Idiot. Yeah. Exactly. It's great. If you don't understand it, just don't be like there. Like a Russian or like an Eastern European clown. I mean, that's, yeah. that's where clowns are like the, the tragedy that gave birth to them. Exactly. It's and awesome. they also get big funding in Europe, you know, so they'll yeah. spend three years working on a clown show. So it's yeah. really, it's craft, you know, mm. it's skill. Like people think of clowns and they think of, Boswell Wilkie Circus. Oh my God. And yeah, it's you know, not like an alcoholic with a red nose. It's, exactly. It's not, that's not a clown. Yeah. No, it's like roots in theatre, in Lecoq, and it's just. Yeah, exactly. And then the theory of like white face and red nose is a magnificent clowning theory that, mm. you, you know, people don't know about. Yeah. The archetypes of humanity that are kind of, that's why they're allowed so close to the king because empathy, you know, the jester, I mean, that it's, it's fucking it's beautifully complex psychology Mm, totally totally um so speaking about the clown you do a lot you do other stuff as well you're not just a comedian um how would you say you best express yourself is it through comedy is it through painting what is your Um, your thing it's a good question i mean uh i think through thought Mm. Yeah, because everything is the same. So whether you're a dentist or a rabbi or a fucking uh, street sweeper, if I'm learning anything as I get older, it's it's that you you find a state in which you, you're closest to whatever you call it, peace or unity or whatever the fuck you want to call it, inspiration, 
reflection. I, I think that reflecting on, um, just reflecting is a great way because I, I, can't, I can't tell you what my preferred, again, I have modes. I have times when I paint a lot. Mm. I have times when I just want to cook or I just want to write or I just want to go scuba diving obsessively or at the moment I love flying a drone. That's my like my thing. Um, have you seen diving. those new, those drones that fit on your phone? It's called a, f- oh, it's amazing. They're creating this. a throne. I think it is called oh a throne. God. And they, I mean, they could have come up with something a little bit more unique, but yeah. it's literally, you stick your phone in this drone, drone <laughs> and uh, it's amazing. Like you can, you know, it's very cost effective. I actually saw it on Shark Tank and I was like, this is oh, brilliant. Wow. This is going to change again. So what is it? A really small drone? It's a really small jo- drone that fits around your phone. And why does it fit around your phone? What, what, like it, how does it, it fits phone... in, it's like a phone cover. And oh, then you fly your phone around and it films. Your phone films everything. Oh, I see. So the phone yes, becomes the, phone the body is of the, the camera. drone. Yes. Wow. Okay. And, and how do you control this drone if your phone is on the camera? How I don't do you know. I don't know. You're asking me very hard questions. Right, I don't right. know. I mean, I watched it. I watched Shark Tank, but clearly I didn't watch it that yeah. intensely. But um, just I, changing I theory, the game. Like I have a theory that if you do something new, you, yes. your brain works in a specific way. It's like learning. So you go into learning mode. It's just better. So, yes. so like I got to a point when I was studying, I was working on an assignment. So I just, I, di- I was fucking overwhelmed. I didn't understand what the fuck I was reading. I didn't know what I was going to do for this assignment. So I just decided to take my headphones and my drone and I'd, I'd not flown the drone yet. Mm. I just got it from a business partner and we were going to try and look at it as a, as a kind of a way to start doing some photography, whatever. So I unpacked this drone and I thought, right. And so with, I put the, um, the music onto uh, Apple Music and I, things I'd never heard before. So I chose a playlist I didn't know. And then I went to learn how to fly the drone, like 40 minutes, whatever it was. And um, when I sat down again, I was just like Hooks. totally like plugged into what I was studying because mm. I feel like um, it might just be psychological, but I feel like by learning something new and not knowing what music to anticipate, you almost open up like your little pathways and then you open to, I don't know, I might just be totally fucking psychosomatically deciding this, but uh, it seemed to work. Well, if it works for you, then it works for you. And and then placebo is your way. Exactly. That's your way of. It's effective. Exactly. Um, That's awesome. So I guess, I guess what I want to know in this vast, very diverse career that you've had. (laughs) That's vast, like an African (laughs) plane. (laughs) Yes. Um, Has there been a moment that you've said, I've hit the big time. This is it. Um, so I don't think I'm the right person to answer that. I think you'd have to ask my partner mm. because uh, she's been there for quite a long time. And uh, um, I think it bothers her because what I've noticed is I don't get very excited. Mm-mm. Uh, when I did my first really big gig and it was like a dream gig and um I opened for Stephen Wright, the king of the one-liner, one of my absolute heroes at the Standard Bank Arena. And it was in the days before we even had screens to like put the, he just was this little tiny guy playing guitar on this massive arena. Um, I watched him and then I went home and had a cup of tea and I was quite a heavy drinker in those days. Yeah. So even then I just didn't want the feeling to go away, but I didn't go and like, 
razzle. I just went home, literally sat on the couch and had a cup of tea. And I thought, I like arenas. <laughs> this um, is uh, it, yeah. yes. So I, I don't... Um, I don't get cocky. And, and the other thing is, what does the big time mean in this country? Like I, people have like patches of fame and mm. um, minor celebrity, which is all we ever really achieve in this country. But I've really liked doing, I love doing what I do. There was a time when I didn't like doing what I do, when I was really struggling um, booze wise and, and with Coke, I, um, I would just try and get through the gig. That was my big thing just to tidy up just before I was on and then get through the gig and then go back to whatever I was doing. I didn't like working and, and um, that was quite sad because I, I disrespected the, uh, the ability that I ended up with. So I, I started like almost abusing my comedy and um, when I sobered up, I kind of realised that I, it's one of my greatest, I, I, I genuinely love comedy. I'm not, it's not a hype thing. It's not a, it, it's been a difficult relationship, but on balance, I genuinely love having a mic and I don't care where it is. I don't care mm-hmm. if it's a big room, a small room. I used to worry if it was a shitty room. Now I don't care. I mm. just want to play. And not all the time, but when I want to play, I really want to play. And, and yeah. I don't care if it's an arena or a small little pub. In fact, sometimes those pubs can touch you in a way that an arena never will. Mm. Um, I've done both the sort of on stage and I've done the backstage and I've done the like selling the sponsorships and the, and the tickets and hiring arenas and doing well and losing money and all of that. I just love comedy. Like, yeah. and it's not a, I'm not, I don't say that. It's, it's not, I'm not being twee. I have a genuine love for this thing and um, it's not affected by the people. Yeah. I don't look at my relationship to comedy through a filter of other comics or the industry. Or, or maybe the audience, that's quite an important filter. But um, other than that, I genuinely don't care about, uh, I don't know, what other comics think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and often it's only the shit comics who will give young comedians opinion the mm. moment they walk off stage. I find that so, like, um, incompetent mm. that you can watch someone for five minutes and then deliver a verdict as if you're this fucking, you know, and it's often a comic who's never really achieved anything. yeah. And now you're setting that young person on a course because they, they respect what you say just because they found you backstage. Mm. I always say to people, like, look, I'm going to watch you tonight, but please don't put that pressure on yourself of, like, I'm watching what you. you. Think? I yes. don't know, bro. Yeah. Like, I can't tell you after five months. I have to watch you for, like, six, seven months. Mm. You know, different places, different things, and then maybe I can give you an opinion. But, I mean... To give it all five fuck, minutes is Imagine if you had five minutes to prove your entire existence to mm. me. And I do find that. I find that comedians can be, you will die, which we all have died. And we will continue to. Exactly. Yeah. You will die your tits off. Yes. And all of a sudden the comedians, they can't look at you. They can't look at. They can't look you in the eye because yeah. there's like something about. Well, it's like it's fucking a, up the energy. Well, there's a corpse in the room, and it's just awkward. Mm. And like, I mm. don't like watching people die. Yes, it makes me get that feeling in my mm. ass. Like, I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> it's just horrible. And and then obviously people don't want to just say, well, Jesus, you died. Although I must say, I, I'm getting a bit better at like that. I mean, I I just tell people. Well, that wasn't, that didn't go well. You know? Yeah, that But again, great. it's separate. Like you've got to try and separate it from the person. Like 
not like you're a dick. It's like, well, that didn't go well. Yes. Do you know what I mean? You don't have to lie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, people know that I'll just tell them, like, I'll just tell them what, what happened because I was there and they were there. But what's weird is. Um, it's not defining. It's not defining. Well, no, one gig is not going to, one no. gig is not, even if it's a huge bloody thing, you know, one gig is. Yeah, look, I mean, obviously the bigger the platform, the more the damage. Yes, yes. But um, what I find interesting is that why are you asking me if, if you are going to be good at the, what I need to hear from a comic? It's not about whether they're funny or not, like immediately. It's great when they are. That's amazing. Mm. But if they're going to come off stage and ask me what happened when they were out there with the audience, my thing is, but fuck, what did the audience say? Yes, yes, yes. Like, can you not hear what they're saying? Because mm. at the end of the day, their opinion is much more important than mine. Yeah, totally. That's the kind of, that's the reason why you exist. So, And it's also, it's so important to be aware of where we are no matter what the level is, you know, you are because of your experience and, you know, what you've gone through, obviously on a totally different level, but with your peers, it's very important to know where you sit, how the audience react to you, Yeah, you know? And often we burn energy worrying about the peer group rather than the audience. It's the weirdest thing. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like people will literally exhaust themselves backstage trying to like be funny I'm yeah. like, bro, you don't have to audition back here. Just be cool. I was recently in Australia. I got there at night early because I wanted to play a club gig. There was an open mic. They set it up for me. I got there. No one knew who I was at all. Um, I didn't know them. So I just got an Uber to this little room. I was there early because I'm a bit fucking obsessive. And then yeah. I got backstage and uh, the guy was giving me the speech, you know, hold the mic like this and then don't do this and you've got five. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> like, like Thank you. This is my first it. rodeo. Yeah. And then I literally like sat there in the corner um, with my notebook and, and I started getting really fucking nervous because mm. I'm with all these newcomers and everyone's like quite nervous. And then you get the kind of guy that's been twice and he's like dominates because he's like, you know, like. <laughs> I'm used to this. But instead yeah. of like, instead of me going, oh, fucking I can do, you know, I'm. I was like, oh, my God, this is like back to fucking square one. Like, ooh. Which is awesome, yeah, actually. Yeah, it was a fucking great feeling. Think, Terrifying, but it was Yeah, cool. I think nerves do something incredible to us. They I, really I, I do. I agree, yeah. As long as I you mean, don't let them ride you, yes, you ride them, yes. then I agree I mean, with you. Newcomer Showcase, I was also like, I'm not going backstage. I don't want to hear what the other comedians have to say about me. I'm not letting this whole thing be tainted. I, the moment I was done ran into the audience and I sat with them and enjoyed the show. Yeah. Because I was like, this is my moment. I yeah. I did well. I enjoyed it. I don't want to walk in and oh, the other comedians don't claim. It's so my it relationship with the audience. A, yeah. Yeah. It's just you and the audience. And that's really the whole thing, you know. Um, I remember going to Montreal about two, three years ago and I've, you get your little gig sheet. It's slipped under your door. So you find out where you're going to be that night or whatever. <laughs> and on my gig sheet was um, first gig of the festival in nine years. I had been away for nine years. And I realized I was on, on the bill with Andy Kendler, who is like quite a well-known American comic. I've always kind of liked his approach. He's known as the sort of comics comic. And every year he delivers that speech, the state of the industry address at the mm. Montreal Comedy Festival Conference. And, and he's just a bit of an insider. He, he writes very funny material about the industry. 
And uh, I had this joke about, you know, uh, I use it a lot now. It's about, you know, black people being incompetent and dangerous and evil according to my upbringing. And then my parents went to work every day and left me alone with one. And, and, and I wasn't sure. It was the first time I was ever going to use this joke yeah. outside of South Africa. And I wasn't sure if we'd like... So I got there and then Andy was backstage and I was like, hey man, Andy, I'm, I'm a fan. And like, he was like, thank you. I was like, from South Africa. And I just want to ask you, man, I've got this joke. Fuck, it's like, it's really think? bothering yeah. me. Like, what do you, yeah. you know, as a, oh, tell me your joke, tell me your joke. And, and um, so that's a great joke. It's a great joke. It's about racism. It's wonderful. So Dom Herrera, another well-known comic, quite a grumpy uh, act. Yeah. Was backstage and he's like, oh, you'll be great. You'll be great. So I ran on and uh, to do my set and, uh, it actually went quite well. And then as I came off, Andy said to me, you were great. And I was running to another gig. And then Dom, as I was leaving, Dom didn't even look up from his paper. He said, he didn't watch you. He was fucking talking to me the whole time. <laughs> it's just like that kind of, that's the comedy um, yeah. world, you know. Which is so great. And that honesty is also Well, there's so the honesty, you know? there's the insincerity, but yes. helpful. Yes. But we almost like, that's what I'm you know, saying earlier, is just that there's this kind of inbuilt bullshitness to what we do. Mm. I just call it. I don't. Which you is know. also kind of the you've got to be aware of this bullshit and yeah. just know know your place within the bullshit no, and whether exactly. you're going to let it affect you or not. Yeah, you know, like hypocrisy. It's a natural human vanity. All normal superficiality. These are all like it's not a crime. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We just like to point it out in other people while we blatantly ignore our own, which is quite mm. interesting. Do you have to change your set when you go overseas? I'm always interested in that. Like, do you have to go, this is very, because I find speaking about race overseas can't be the same thing. Yeah, there's certain technical things. Like you, you, I like to think I don't change it too much um, um, because I used to try and be, become one of them. Now I'm just a South African who's visiting. Yes. But you cannot use the word coloured. Yes, for example, yes, no, you can't. It has a different meaning. Mm. Uh, uh, um, it's not a jovial fucking get along term. It's yes. a genuine slur. Yeah. So there are those technical things to look out for. But um, on the whole, my, my thing going forward is like more about the research, the universal themes, um, connecting with people. So, so other than some technical issues, I'd like to try and think I'd do the same. Awesome. Um, John, we have come to. Have we? Well, the there end. we go. This is the path. Where <laughs> this we is have the to end. This is the power bit. Everything. <laughs> you better say something profound. Um, wow. No, no pressure at all. Where, where do we find you? Um, you can find me online at whack.ca.za and you can find me on Twitter at 40 short. Those are my main things. Um, other than that, I'm always around the Comedy Awards and uh, I'll be doing The Good Racist in Cape Town next weekend. I'm doing the Lurie's in Durban the weekend after. Other than that, most mornings at 4 a.m. you'll find me studying uh, these days, just for the next 26 months. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> hectic. <laughs> um, um, and, then, uh, and then hopefully what will, the net result will be that at a certain age uh, I'll be able to sell all the shit that I've created and... Um, travel and uh, and collect some art that sounds like the dream that's the dream that really does sound like the dream yeah i hope it happens i wish you only good beautiful amazing things thanks man um and for you as well no totally totally you're like happily married you're like a unicorn it's i am i i shit rainbows as well wow so that's that's a a youtube market for you there (laughs) i I feel Japanese dudes will whack off watching rainbows fall out of your anus. They will. They will. So I, mean, just, I said Japanese because I feel that they've got the most avant-garde <laughs> sense of 
what's entertaining. <laughs> They'll uh, love it. They are going to love it. So um, I hope my husband is watching because... He might he, be one of the three. He may be one of the Hi, three. I believe your name is Daniel. I've seen your pictures. You're <laughs> very amazing. Very cute, very cute. She's crazy. Um, she hasn't stopped. In fact, it's irritated me how much she spoke about how wonderful you are. I know, I, I know. This I'm was sorry. About me. I actually, um, I, sorry, John. I, it's okay. I, I've... Priorities, priorities. It's still a year. You still it's just hit, a year. Honeymoon, honeymoon phase. phase. Exactly. You, 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 you give it a year, Daniel. Exactly. John, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me here in your beautiful studio. Oh, it, it's stunning. The yeah, apart from falls. the apples, obviously we had a slight technical issue with the apples. Yes. Other than that, it's been really world class. It's been amazing. I cannot wait to work more with Wacked. I can't to wait to be in, work with you. I really cannot. And I am so honoured to have you on the show, so thank you for And you did very well at the Newcomer Showcase. Now that I'm just, sorry, we spoke no. about that and I, I didn't even, because I edited that footage. You did great. Thank you. You did. Thank very you good. for saying that. It was please, very good. Please, I hope it is indicative of what's to come for my career. Absolutely. I hope so. That I would be so. lovely. Thank you for saying that. That means so much. No, but it's true. And I, I didn't want to not say that because that's actually the tr- that's true. Thank you. Cool. I really appreciate it. John, you are lovely. Thanks. You're lovely too. Let's celebrate this afternoon. Hopefully good news. Let's see what happens. Let's see. Okay. Arrivederci. Okay, bye. The Big Time is proudly brought to you in partnership with Superga South Africa. If you want to get hold of the Big Time podcast, you can follow us all social media platforms at the Big Time ZA. Or you can get hold of me at ClaudineUlman.com. You've been amazing. Thank you. Until next time, I hope you hit the big time.